Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, running through history in Berlin. The crowd support all throughout the course, even though it was absolutely pouring rain at times, was still incredible. It's like something you'll never experience. Right from the start to the finish, there's always somebody cheering you on. And when your name is on your bibs and, you know, you're, you feel like you're the back of the pack and you're thinking, oh, is this ever going to end? And then someone says, go see Van Gogh. It just gives you the feel to keep on going. From the couch to completing ultra marathons. I really am interested in, in seeing how much mental resilience I can build up. So, you know, at a certain point, you can train your body to do, you know, long distance activities. But once you're running for more than 12 or 13 hours, uh, there's a big component of it that's really mental. And going beyond the marathon to 50K. I was pretty well done, but it was funny because my friend has a picture of me. I I finished and I I, I was still running. Like, it was like I I couldn't physically stop. I kind of just kept going until she stopped to hug me. But it was just like I was almost like scared to get my legs to stop because... I knew they were going to seize up, and sure enough, they did. (laughs) On this edition of I Run Radio, we'll talk to a runner who completed the Berlin Marathon on a very rainy day in September. Also, why John Nicholson decided to get off the couch and start running, how that led him to complete races of 100 miles and longer. And we'll talk to a runner who just completed her first ultra-marathon of 50 kilometers. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. So what a weekend. Last weekend, of course, was the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon and so many storylines emerging from that, from ordinary runners to elite runners. We'll be sharing them in the weeks ahead, but I'm sure you had a great time there. I really did. And sometimes something happens that brings like the whole mission and what we're all about into sharp relief. Um, the narrative that we like to tell and the narrative that I like to tell and what I really believe in. And some of that is the story of our two Canadian winners, the male and female in the marathon. And both of these runners, Dana Pitoreski and Trevor Hoffbauer, a guy and a girl. And it doesn't even so much matter, I think, to our readers, and stuff, the details and their times and all of this. And it's all on our website. and We've gone over it a lot. But what's more interesting to me and what I really just find so inspirational is both of these runners have been at it for a long time. Neither of them have a sponsor, and Trevor, in particular, his sponsor uh, dropped him right before, you know, maybe a year and a half ago. And now when you take something, you know, sometimes I think about myself where I'm so influenced by outside sources and influences, you know? And if I was to be dropped by my sponsor, would I double down on my commitment to the marathon, which is so grueling and difficult, right. it's a tough thing to do, and you only get so many cracks at it, and you know, can you get faster at that? And it's so hard to do. Uh, and this guy, you know, so he gets dropped from his sponsor, and he doesn't make any, and he goes out by himself, and he says, I don't need a sponsor. I don't need anything. I believe in myself. I believe in the sport. And you know, I mean, even when he had sponsors, not like he's making oodles of money. It was never going to be Derek Jeter playing for the Yankees. But, you know, you can be so influenced by outside uh, opinions, you know? Yeah. 
and and both Dana and Trevor and and this really their story is just our story writ large that you believe in yourself and you stick to a thing and you find joy in it and you find purpose and meaning and sometimes you know it just works out and these two on uh, last Sunday punched their tickets to the Olympic Games. Yeah, and now they're off to Tokyo, which is amazing and many maybe well certainly lots of Canadians will be watching but maybe a few more Canadians will follow them. Uh, to the Olympic marathons in Tokyo, which would be very exciting. I also read that there were something like 14 world records broken at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon and Half Marathon, things like the fastest marathon dressed as a vegetable, for example. Those kinds of things were happening at the event as well. They they really relish those those uh, those people who are trying to set a record or do something different at that particular event. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I like that slash don't like that. Like, I don't know. That's great. You know, and it brings, I, I saw that did get a lot of attention and it yeah. brings more publicity to running. That's great. I just remember uh, my PB half marathon was at the Lululemon Seaweeds. And at that race, there was a guy and he was wearing like a toga and some funny shoes. And like, you know, I'm running my heart out. And everybody at the audience was like going crazy for this guy dressed as a toga. And it kind of felt a little, and, and on Sunday's <laughs> race, there was a guy dressed as a tennis pro and he's carrying a racket and I'm running hard. And, you know, but, you know, when this guy next to me is dressed like uh, Arthur Ashe, it's a little bit, yeah. but you know what? Hey, <laughs> God bless. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next for you now? I mean, we're actually approaching the end of the race season. There still are big events coming up, like the New York City Marathon, Philadelphia, uh, other events, uh, Hamilton. Uh, so the, people are still still training for those events, but uh, we're starting to move into a different phase here, I think. Well, it's interesting, and I appreciate you asking, because if you don't mind me getting personal, I mean, you asked me the question, so I'll answer it. After I ran, I ran a lot. I ran the yeah. Erie Marathon. And then afterwards, me and you did the marathon. We did a half marathon before the Army run. And then I just felt like, God, I am I am runned out. That's good. I did my season. I'm, I'm not going to do Wednesday night speed work with my little group. You know, from now until the end of time, like, it's enough. You know, I thought I was good. But I tell you, so I took a month off maybe from that just to see. And my life without it was no better. I missed it. And I'm going back to it. And uh, so I guess, yeah, God willing, I'll be doing Wednesday night speed work right. until the day I uh, until the day I pass because yeah. I I want to. So there's no off season. There's no finish line. I think next I will be doing. Uh, my wife is going to be doing the Cayman Islands half marathon in December. Pace her for that. And uh, there's a Tenenbaum 10K. You know, there's always things. And eventually I'll work towards around the bay and the Chile half marathon and whatever else comes in the spring. But right I'm going to run right through the winter and I'm staying with it. And I'm staying strong. Sounds good, Ben. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it, my brother. Ben Kaplan, I runs editor and general manager. Coming up next, running the historic streets of Berlin. Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge. Four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. The Berlin Marathon is one of the world marathon majors. It's also one of the fastest courses in the world. Suzanne Robertson ran it in September on a rainy day. 
and she joins us now to tell us all about it. Suzanne, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. So tell me a little bit about how you came to run the Berlin Marathon. Why was this on your list? Um, my first, This is my third marathon that I've ran, and uh, my very first marathon was Chicago. I entered the lottery, and I figured if you're going to run a marathon, this is a way to do it. And that was in 2017, and I got in. And, you know, when your first marathon is a first world, ma- uh, world major, you kind of get a really great taste for it. So this year... Uh, last fall, I decided to enter the lottery for Berlin and happened to get in. So I'm like, it was meant to be then. So <laughs> wow. that's what made me decide to run it. <laughs> You're lucky. So far, so good, yeah. Yeah. So what's the other marathon you did? Uh, I did Petit Trans du Nord um, in St. Jerome, Val David, last year, last okay. fall. So tell me about the Berlin experience. What was it like? Uh, so it's absolutely incredible. When you're there and, you know, it's you and it's 47,000 other people almost um, running this. And it's the international, everybody from all parts of the world. Um, one of the things that I did to get a better feel for it and just how large it is, is I joined a Facebook group of uh, 2019 Berlin Marathon runners. So it's really interesting because you get feedback from not only people who have run it in the past, but a bunch of first-timers, um, everybody who's from, you know, very fast runners to everybody who's six hours. Everybody's at their own pace, own race, but it's a real great way to just get to know and meet people internationally. And having uh, being part of, being able to take part of this is fantastic. Uh, traveling for a race is always really exciting, so... Yeah, tell me more about the Facebook group, because I've never done that before, but it sounds like a really cool way to connect with people who are going to be running the same race as you. Exactly. This was my first time joining a Facebook group that was targeted towards a marathon, and I just happened to come across it. Uh, of course, you know, when you follow running other running Facebook groups, other running organizations, it may be come up groups you're interested in, and because I had said on Facebook that I would be attending the Berlin Marathon for 2019. This came across as one that you may be interested in joining. So I asked to join and they accepted it. And it was just absolutely great way to kind of get a better idea as to what to expect um, when it comes on ways on what to pack, um, some hmm. good like little checklists on what to bring. Cool. Because the weather, the weather can be all over the place. Um, you know how to prepare for jet lag, what the course is like, absolutely everything you would need. You would find it on this group. And if there wasn't something you, if there's any questions you had, you could also ask it to this group. And almost always, you get at least twenty people answering. Wow, that's great. So d- tell me how the experience compared to Chicago, because of course Chicago is a North American event. It's big. Uh, but it's it's close to home. This is all the way uh, in over the ocean in Europe, and and uh, different language, different culture, European vibe, obviously. So, what was different about Berlin? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest difference, like you said, Chicago is big, but it's North American. When going to Berlin, of course, coming from Ottawa, and then going to Berlin, there's a bit of travel associated with that, as well. They are six hours ahead. So you need to factor, try and factor in that you want to be adjusted to the time zone come the day of the race. Right. So my, 
my um, corral started at quarter after 10, which would actually have been around 3 a.m. here. <laughs> right, yeah. So that, that's a big difference because I don't usually get up and run, you know, a marathon at 3 a.m. Right. So, so did, these are one of the things you need to factor in. Yeah. Did you? How many days before the race did you get there? We uh, we flew out Wednesday evening and arrived in Berlin Thursday afternoon. So I had about three days to adjust. Um, I would recommend anyone doing it in the future to be really if if it's a race that you really want to race and try for like a new personal best. Um, I would recommend going at least five days before, if right. not a week before. So to adjust to the that time. Can, yeah. Exactly. And when you're traveling internationally, too, um, of course, some of the cuisine can be different. Uh, you could also get a lot of your staple Italian, you know, basic American cuisine as well, too. But you want to be there. You want to try different things. So, you know, you have a little bit of everything. But with that being said, the one thing that I almost always have pre-raced is bagel and classic peanut butter, and I could not find regular peanut butter for the life of me. Really? You couldn't find yeah. peanut butter in Berlin? <laughs> I couldn't find wow. a good old... If you're looking for good old Kraft or Skippy or something like that, <laughs> bring your own. That's my word of advice to anybody who's a okay. peanut butter person. Yeah. And how about the race itself? Uh, we we know it's a flat course. Lots of world records have been set there. Uh, obviously, you're running through a very historic city. Just describe what that was like. Yeah, um, the city itself is fantastic. Again, like you said, historic. Uh, the course itself is flat. It's definitely, as we know, it's a world record course. Uh, it's definitely one that if you wanted to try and go for a PB, Absolutely, you could go for it if you're adjusted. Um, for people who just want to go to have the experience, I would say it's an amazing experience because you're running through all of Berlin. You're running through the east. You're running through the west. You're seeing the sites. You're seeing Tierngate. You're seeing um, you know all the monuments. Take the time to take it in and really enjoy the experience of that. And there's it's definitely the best finish uh, that I've had, not time-wise, but experience-wise when I was hitting, when I was about to cross the finish line, because you do get to finish, run through the Bradenburg Gate. People will warn you, it is a bit of a false finish, because that's not the actual finish line. You right. still have about another 150 meters to go. But yeah. uh, there's, there's nothing greater than that experience. Yeah, it's, it, you're running through an archway, so you feel like you're crossing the finish line, right? But uh, the exactly. finish line's further ahead, yeah. So yeah. how did the race go for you personally? For me personally, um, it was actually the most emotional race I've ever had uh, because I spent all summer training. I focused more on training this year than I had for my previous two marathons. I actually hired a coach. I stuck with the plan as closely as I could. Um, we all know life happens, so you can't be 100% all of the time. But I did my absolute best. I ran more kilometers than I ever have before. And then come race day, it just didn't seem to happen for me. Um, it was ended up being pouring rain on us for a good part of the course. And I finished in almost uh, just shy of six hours. But that's okay because I decided after about 12 kilometers, I realized this isn't going to be the race I want. So let's make it the experience that I want. So I decided to stop, take selfies, take in all the sights, uh, talk with people, 
You know, there, the crowd support all throughout the course, even though it was absolutely pouring rain at times, was still incredible. It's like something you'll never experience. Right from the start to the finish, there's always somebody cheering you on. And when your name is on your bib and, you know, you're, you feel like you're the back of the pack and you're thinking, oh, is this ever going to end? And then someone says, go Suzanne, go. It just gives you the feel to keep on going. So I made the most of the experience, and that was absolutely incredible. Sounds like you made the right call, and, and you made the best of it and had a, a great experience despite the conditions. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you also toured around a little bit afterwards. You turned it into a bit of a, a vacation as well? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, of course, we went to the Berlin Wall Memorial. Uh, we went to a few museums in the area. Um, the just traveled all around, kind of checked out the sites of the city, went to Alexander Platz. Uh, Oktoberfest was going on while we were there. So you have to try and find, you know, a beer garden and take part in that a little bit. And then we decided to make it a European vacation afterwards as well, after Berlin, and we went to Prague, and then we also went to Amsterdam. Wow, sounds great. And tell me what's next for you. Now that you've uh, gotten so lucky with a couple of lotteries, uh, what are your plans? Well, the good news is that, for me, it's good news. I didn't get into London for 2020. Okay. (laughs) I think uh, three summers of training for a marathon uh, can get to be a bit much at times. So I'd like to have next summer off. Uh, My focus now, though, is to really focus on half marathons and try and get my speed and pacing down with those and have a focus on strength training and have more of a work-life training balance because training for a marathon is almost like having another full-time job. Well, congratulations again on doing the Berlin Marathon, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Mark. That's Suzanne Robertson, who completed the Berlin Marathon in late September. Coming up next, from the couch to running hundreds and hundreds of miles. Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge. Four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. John Nicholson grew up in Canada and now lives in Pennsylvania. He decided when he was 39 that he needed to get in shape, so he started running. Now he's doing races of 100 miles, 200 miles, even more. John, thank you for being with us on I Run Radio. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure. So tell me how you got into long-distance running, uh, how you ended up as a guy doing all these incredible endurance feats. Uh, I started... Kind of hitting my, uh, just just before I turned 40, I found myself sitting on the couch and uh, much heavier than I was comfortable being and kind of made that decision to try to get in shape. Uh, so I, I, I did one of those uh, infomercial online uh, programs, uh, The Insanity, and, and I followed that program for about two months and, and lost 40 pounds. Um, and then I just immediately started signing up for some of those uh, obstacle course races. And uh, after doing a couple of those, I realized I, I kind of needed to work on my running. So I, I started spending a lot more time on the weekends uh, just kind of running around the trail. So that's, that was kind of the origin of, of getting the bug, for sure. Right. 
But lots of people go on a trail run and they love it. And they, they go three or four times a week and they run for 45 minutes. How do you get from there to doing some of these ultra marathons and incredible endurance tests? I think maybe just uh, bad decision making probably <laughs> the best best answer for that. Uh, I, I I signed up for a 15k trail run and I really enjoyed it. And at that same race, they had a 30 kilometer option, and I remember thinking, "Wow, those people are crazy! They're going to go out and do that twice." Um, so then I signed up for a 25k, and I did that. And 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 as I mentioned, my 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 lack of, of discernment kicked in and I thought to myself, well, if I can do 25 K, I wonder if I can do 50 K. And so I did that. Uh, and then, you know, the gateway opened. I thought, well, I wonder if I could do a hundred K. And so I did. Um, and then I said, well, the, the next one really in the ultra world is, is the hundred mile race. Um, and I signed up for one of those ill prepared and not really understanding how much more difficult it was. And I had a disaster of a race. I only made it 50 miles before I dropped. Um, but that kind of still, you know, kept that bug in me as to, okay, I think I found this limit. I, I'm really curious if, you know, if I can, I can do that distance at some point. So I kind of stayed on that, stayed on that track of, of trying to find the right kind of race that interested me um, that I could do that was at the 100-mile distance. Okay, so we can come back to that in a moment, but... There's an element to this that I think is worth pointing out, and it's not an unfamiliar theme that, you know, to to kind of test your limits and stretch your limits, you have to sort of be a little bit uh, reckless, right? I mean, you have to be a little bit kind of naive and just sort of go for it in a way. And obviously, you don't want to do that in a way that poses a danger to yourself. You you have to do the training and you, you want to prepare. But there is an element to this of just, you know what, if I just did 25K, I'm going to try to do 50K next time, which is, logically speaking, you know, might might be a huge reach, but you, you have to kind of go for it and be a bit of a, you have to be a bit adventurous about it, right? Yeah, I think you absolutely do. I think there's a mix of, of that adventurous aspect and maybe overconfidence, too. I mean, if you have success, you know, upon success, which was kind of early for me, I, I seemed to be doing fine um, moving up in distances. I just figured that that would be unlimited. Um, and, of course, it wasn't. But, but I, I just think, yeah, there's, there's an element of, of, of natural curiosity. I'm a curious person. Um, and so it was you know, kind of wondering, you know, where where do I hit that point where it's it's not easily achievable for me anymore? And right. That's what I was kind of seeking, I think. And so you discovered it was around 50 miles, I guess. 100 miles was the number. It was, right. it was such a drastic difference than doing 100K, which is 61 or 62 miles. Yeah. Um, that, that, that leap is just so um, enormously different. It's it's just physically it's it's certainly challenging to run another forty you know miles on top of you know uh, sixty miles, but also I think it's uh, psychologically a lot more difficult. So yeah, you're not really you're not really I think I don't think you're naturally built to have that kind of resilience to be able to just easily do that. Right. So that's interesting. So you're saying, and I, I this resonates with me, although I've never run that far. I've done marathons and I've ran 50k once but uh you're saying uh, just as for some people there's kind of a 
a big difference between a half marathon and a marathon that in a marathon for some people you go you kind of have to dig a lot deeper than just doing two half marathons um for you you're saying that there's sort of a threshold you cross between a 100k race and a 100 mile race yeah absolutely i mean i remember when i did a half marathon i just did it in my neighborhood um you know, I prefer small events, and I'm kind of an introvert, so I, I didn't really want to do it with the crowd, so I just did it alone in my neighborhood. And I remember finishing that half marathon and thinking, wow, I have no idea how people can possibly do twice this distance. Yeah. But, you know, as as, as time passes, uh, you know, your body adapts as well as your mind. So um, now, you know, that kind of distance doesn't seem far to me, but it certainly did in the beginning, and, and it was. You know, I, I was sore after a half marathon run. So what is it that appeals to you about these really long races and the ones that are going to take you hours and hours and hours uh, where you're not sleeping and you're you're just continuing to push forward? I think for me, a couple of things. Uh, number one, I really I, I, I love being out in nature. Um you know, I, I live in Pennsylvania now, and we're near the Appalachian Trail, and there's there's a, a ton of beautiful trails to explore. So I really like being out in the woods and exploring nature and seeing places that you really can only see on foot. So that's part of it, and I think that kind of keeps you going sometimes in the harder races that you actually really enjoy the scenery you're in. Um, and I think the second part is, uh, I, I really am interested in, in seeing how much mental resilience I can build up. So, you know, at a certain point, you can train your body to do, you know, long distance activities. But once you're running for more than 12 or 13 hours, uh, there's a big component of it that's really mental. And, and so I'm always curious about how, you know, as human beings that we, you know, historically you know, we had a lot of discomfort, you know, as human beings for, for most of, you know, most of our existence on this world. And certainly in the last, you know, 100 years or so, you know, we have a lot more comfort and a lot less discomfort. And we, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid discomfort. And I think it's interesting to, to willingly bring some of that back into your, into your life and to kind of build yourself up to be more resilient mentally as well as physically. So how would you describe that? What does it take to keep going after 12 or 13 hours? And what have you learned from that? Uh, I think uh, one of the things really is, is success is, you know, small goals. So, you know, recently at my, my big race this year, uh, which was the Tahoe 200-miler, you know, if you are starting the race and start thinking about how far you have to travel, it can become pretty daunting. So you, you kind of, you, you, you scale down those goals and start thinking about, okay, when's the next time I'm able to, to get to an aid station where I can get some food and get some water and kind of just start focusing on those small achievable goals and not let yourself get, you know, overwhelmed by the, the immensity of the larger goals. And I think, I think that really helps. Um, and if I get into, you know, in, in long races, you go through a lot of ups and downs. So sometimes you feel really good and sometimes you feel terrible. Um, and you never know how long either of those is going to last or how frequently it's going to happen. But in long races, you do know it will happen. You will feel good and you will feel terrible. And so knowing what's coming and knowing, you know, how to manage yourself 
when you're not feeling great is is a skill. So it's something you really just have to learn the hard way by, you know, making mistakes and, you know, kind of getting in your own way sometimes. But eventually you figure it out. Do you have to talk to yourself? Do you have to motivate yourself, push yourself along uh, when when you get to some of those difficult points in a in an incredibly long run? I, I try not to. I, in, in the beginning, I used to try to do that. So whenever I was feeling poorly, I'd be, you know, some self-talk, you know, oh, you only have, you know, 10 more miles or, you know, or you're doing good or you're, you're, you're fine on time or, um, but, you know, as I became more experienced, I'm, I have more of a plan up front so that there isn't so many uh, negotiations about my feelings during it. So, I kind of pre-accept that I'm not going to feel good all the time. And when it comes, I just say, oh, here it is. You know, right now I'm not feeling great, but hey, this race is long. And, and maybe tomorrow, while I'm still running, I'll feel a lot better and I'll look back and laugh at it. it what, what lessons do you take from this that you apply to the rest of your life? Because obviously this is a big part of your life, but uh, I find running is a terrific metaphor and a terrific teacher as well, and I'm not running as far as you are. So there must be some things that you've learned from this that apply to the rest of your life. For sure. Uh, it's certainly not, not the main focus of my life. I really treat it as, you know, it's something fun that I like to do. It's a hobby. I have a crazy group of friends who all run absurd distances as well. And so we hang out and run together and chat and, you know, explore different races in different parts of, you know, the country and the world. And so that part's fun. So number one, I don't, it, it's not my identity. It's just, it's, I really do look at it as a hobby. Um, so, you know, I, I still take, you know, the most important things from the other parts of my life. But certainly there's, you know, the, there are lessons you know, in it, you know, I, I, I've underestimated myself plenty of times and, you know, these long races help certainly boost confidence in the belief that, you know, I can manage difficult situations and, and keep my head together. Um, and certainly it puts perspective on, on suffering, uh, you know, when you're, when you're feeling poorly, but you get through it and you come out the other side, I think you appreciate, you know, uh, the day-to-day comforts that you have, um, you know, that you almost take for granted normally. Uh, but, but generally, generally speaking, you know, I just get a lot of joy out of it and, and seeing, seeing the world and seeing places on foot, certainly that, you know, you just never be able to see any other way. And do you have a favorite event from the many that you've done? Wow. Um, I always, I kind of think my last one was, which was the Tahoe race, just because I hadn't ever run out in the Sierra Nevadas before. And, uh, it was just postcard beautiful, you know, 99% of the time. So just beautiful lakes and mountains and skylines and vistas. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I it's my favorite probably because it was certainly my longest event, but I, I really enjoyed it, even though it was very, very difficult. Well, you're an incredibly inspiring runner, John. Uh, your stories are so interesting, and uh, it's just fascinating to hear you talk about testing your limits the way you have. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, and continued good luck as you as you tackle these huge challenges. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Mark. That's ultramarathoner John Nicholson. Coming up next, a runner completes her first 50K race.
Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge. Four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. Emily McLean recently completed the 50K race at an event called Run for the Toad in Paris, Ontario. Emily, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So what made you decide you wanted to run 50K? A a marathon just wasn't enough anymore? (laughs) Well, um... To be honest, I I really enjoy going long. So, you know, I like doing marathon races, but I probably enjoy the training more during marathon. Um, During the build-up for a marathon, I enjoy the Sunday long run, you know, there with friends every, you know, on those mornings. And so, you know, I did Ottawa race weekend, and I was kind of looking for a new challenge and um, thought I would... Bump it up. Yeah. <laughs> give a give a fifty k a try. <laughs> sure. So, how did the training go for that? Um. Well, it was certainly a new challenge because I actually didn't decide um, to do it until probably end of June, early July, and so really the race was early October. So it was only you know three months or so of training that I could get in, and uh, I know for a marathon you kind of ideally have at least four months of you know build up. So I knew I was going to be you know, up to a bit of a challenge, but luckily I had done the marathon at Ottawa Race again, so I had a bit of, you know, um, mileage in me that I kind of just had been maintaining over the summer months, so uh, I came up with a plan with um, my friend and running coach, Phil Marsh, and we came up with a kind of a plan that would safely get me to the start line without overloading me too much. So Sundays would be, you know, one Sunday would be like a straight long run and the next Sunday would we would split it into two runs. So, you know, a couple hours on the trail in the morning and then a couple hours on the road in the afternoon. Did it feel much different from a, from training for a marathon? You know what? I actually, I felt tired, but I didn't feel as beat up maybe as I did during marathon training and maybe that's because everything was more about time on feet so I I wasn't looking like during the marathon build-up I'm quite often I'm doing a lot of speed intervals and you know trying to maybe you know maintain a certain pace on you know during a a Wednesday workout or a Friday workout and compared to the week before that sort of thing and um, for this one, it was kind of more about just strength and effort during those, you know, workouts with the group. I wasn't looking, trying to hit any times. It was more about time on feet, get the mileage in. Um, so I didn't find my muscles were getting beat up as so much as I was just kind of just tired a lot. <laughs> right. Understandably, because you were running a lot. Yeah, hungry yeah. and tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is interesting because once you, I think for a lot of runners anyway, except for those who are, are trying to win races, once yes. you move past the marathon to ultra marathons, it is less about the time and it is more about the distance, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that's, that's it. It was, um, you know, I was, I guess, you know, I had no idea going into the race. Like I didn't know what pace to be, you know, we do a lot of, in our group, we do a lot of race pace workouts and stuff like that, trying to train it. I, I had no idea what I was going, going to try to run. It, it was more about kind of like getting your legs strong to be able to do the distance. Um, 
every week. And so that's why the Sundays became more about just time on feet kind yeah. of thing to get, you know, build the legs up to the endurance um, and, you know, and see what happens. So, and every, I think with a lot of the, with a lot of ultras from, you know, what I see, they're all different courses, you know, your road is road, but, you know, a trail run, you're, you're up against a different kind of, different kind of environment. Yeah. But I, I think there's also, this is a bit of a departure from your story, but I think there's also so much of a thing about what time you did in the marathon, right? If you run a marathon, everybody asks you, okay, what was your time? Yeah. Whereas when you do have, and you, you know, you kind of have to measure it against your other marathons or against what other people have yeah. done or your age group or whatever. And, and you have in your mind what a good time and a bad time is and that kind of thing based on your own, uh, your perception of your own capacity. Whereas if you're doing a 50K, it's like, wow, you ran 50K. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> it was, uh, I, that's exactly it. And I think that's kind of why I also decided to kind of give this distance a try because for so many years, you know, I enjoy running and it's not always about what kind of result I get, but it was kind of, you know, when I do a race, I am trying to hit a certain time when I tow the line, I'm aiming for, you know, I'd like to do better than the previous one. So it was kind of refreshing in the fact that it was just like, I wanted my body to have a challenge of doing the distance. Yeah. of doing 50k so it's kind of refreshing in a sense and cool. you know yeah yeah so tell me about the race what what was it like um it was it was a beautiful course it's in paris ontario um in a conservation area there and um peggy and george uh sarson are the race directors and they've put it on for i think it's been 19 years and this was the last year for it um, so it was, uh, a great one to do. I had been told by friends it was a wonderful event many times and my friend Sue finally convinced me to go and I'm so glad I did. The course was well marked. That was my biggest fear is that I would get lost. Um, cause I know you'll eventually string out on a course like that from the other participants, but it ended up being a 12 and a half K loop. Um, and there was a 12 and a half K race and a 25 K race and the 50 K race. So it was really enjoyable for your first time, uh, doing an event like this is that with the loop course, um, you're constantly seeing people because there's all different abilities on the trail and there's, um, there's walkers, runners, there's, you know, a real mix. So you never felt like you were truly alone out there. And there was always, you know, they had some, um, there was water stations along the course and there you'd run through the finish line on each loop, which after the second and third time, it was getting a little bit, uh, depressing that I wasn't <laughs> done yet, <laughs> but I eventually got there and it made it that much sweeter <laughs> that I could take a left instead of going straight. Right. Um, yeah. but, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was completely new at it. I didn't have a, you know, there's a feed table for those doing the 50 K and I didn't realize that didn't do my research well enough and carried all of my gels and shoes and everything in my pocket. <laughs> oh, and you didn't have to. You could have just grabbed them yeah. off the table. I could have, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, learning experience, right? And um, I found it, it was, you know, I felt like the first loop felt a bit hard. I knew there would be, it was rolling hills the entire time. Um, but it was almost like I had to get my legs going on them. It was kind of constant. Um, nothing too technical, but it was just kind of, you had to be careful still. Um, and a lot of grass. Um, and, and um, yeah, just kind of 
rolling hills that didn't seem to really end, (laughs) which I was prepared for. I did a lot of training up in Gatineau Park, um, but with a couple friends, but, um, you know, I felt the second loop, I felt great. And then the third loop, it started to get pretty tough. And then I think the fourth loop was about survival, but I ran very well. I came second. So I was very, very happy with that. Um, wow. but, uh, yeah, Good yeah. So yeah, thank you. But, um, I, I would do another, that's for sure. Okay. I was going <laughs> to ask you that. Is this, is this something you would do again? I would. I would. I definitely would. I thought it's just, it's nice being out in nature. I enjoyed the training for it. Um, being up in Gatineau Park every weekend. I, that was pretty much my only trail run was on, you know, on the weekends because I could fit it in a bit better. Um, but it, it the race scene is just a bit it's relaxed. It was a very, you know, um, enjoyable to be, you know, in the, in the park like that. And um, just a nice change. How did it feel when you crossed the finish line? Um, I actually cried because I was so proud of myself <laughs> for having doing it, and I was so happy to see I had a couple friends that had done the 25K, so they were waiting for me, and, you know, they had great races, and and uh, it was just, I was really happy to be done because I was very sore and <laughs> very tired. <laughs> so it was kind of like a mixed feeling, you know, finishing. Uh, I was uh, very happy to be to be done. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're, and after a test like that, I mean, you're kind of wrecked, right? You've been, you've been kind of, yeah. you're beaten up, you've been stripped down physically and mentally and yeah. emotionally. So of course you're going to yeah. get a little bit uh, emotional at a time like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that was it. I was just so, uh, I was pretty well done, but it was funny because my friend has a picture of me. I, I finished and I, I, I was still running. Like I it was like I, I couldn't physically stop. I kinda of just kept going wow. until she stopped to hug me, but it was just like I was almost like scared to get my legs to stop because I knew they were gonna seize up and sure enough they did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh the drive back wasn't too fun either, you know. But <laughs> So but would you do another fifty okay. K or would you do something longer perhaps? I I kind of, you know, I play around with the idea of doing another 50k or um definitely uh, you know or the marathon again and then another 50 i would like to go longer at some point um you know i'd like to try a bit bit further but uh we'll see <laughs> recover from this one first yeah. i guess and then fair <laughs> enough and then yeah, exactly. Well, Emily, congratulations. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrific accomplishment and uh, an you. incredible distance. And, uh, <laughs> and perhaps just the beginning of an ultra-marathoning career. Thanks for being with us Great. on the show. Thanks so much for having me. That's Emily McLean of Ottawa. Coming up in the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, stories from the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon and a runner who is closing in on finishing his 100th marathon. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.